You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Hello and welcome to the Your Queer Story podcast. We're your favorite hosts, Paul Hobbs and Evan Jones. And this is the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism. And I love that you still roll your eyes when I say it. I will the day roll my you eyes. stop rolling your eyes is the day I stop saying it. <laughs> That's not true. I don't fucking believe it. No, because I'll, I just won't look at you and I'll be like, yeah, you still roll your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. <laughs> uh, 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 Paul and I have been hanging out since noon today. It's almost 4.30. And, and four hours with this bitch is tiring, let me tell you. Whatever, whatever. That's not true. I am a light of your life. A light in your life? A light in my life. I would say out of all the lights, you're like the half most bright. But that's a good spot to be. The half most bright? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. You know, like, That's just dim. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Jesus. Go ahead. No, no, I don't know. I don't have any segue. I was hoping you could pick it up and run with it. Nope, couldn't pick it up. Could run with it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so um, I have a little news, which I did announce on social media, but I'll I'll say it here. Oh my God, Stewie is whining and scratching at this door. Stewie, you're not getting in here. Anyways, (laughs) uh, my announcement, I did find a job. About fucking time. I thought Samantha was going to kill you, honestly. Oh, really? I was working. I was doing a lot of temp work, but Mm. she was getting a little annoyed. Not that I couldn't. She was just um, really hopeful for me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyways, but uh, yes, I'll be (laughs) an LGBTQ advocate for a sexual violence and domestic violence shelter. I'm not going to say who I work for because what I say on this podcast does not represent them. And uh, I like to keep it that way so I don't publish who I work for. But um, I am very happy about my position. Yes, you got a great position and all the applause from the audience. You don't hear them, but they're there. Everyone listening is cheering for you. I don't know why you couldn't have thrown in a sound effect for me. You won't because you're too lazy. Because when I'm, he's I'll when he's editing when he's editing these episodes, he's also like playing a game That's or true. listening to something. He's doing literally thirteen <laughs> things while he does. Or edit. I'm working on our website. I do a lot That's of true. stuff. You do. He does a lot of stuff, but he can't just sit and do one thing. No, ever. I have like eight side hustles, and everyone, <laughs> listen. I, between all my side hustles, I probably clock eighty hours a week, including my day yeah. job. So. Well, see, that's the whole thing. That's why I had to get out of retail because I was like, I have side hustles as well. And I need to be able to, if I, like, I need to be able to have time for those or I need to have something that joins them together. So right. now my entire life is queer based. That's all I am. I'm just You're going to get queer. queered out. You think so? I don't know. I don't know. think it's possible. I When I went to the, I mean, 
when I was going to the gay bars, I was like, I can't be around gay people as much. This is too much. <laughs> David was talking about living somewhere where it's like mostly gay people. And I was like, I don't think I can I'm be like, surrounded by gay break. people that often. Every, every Sunday night, I go and have dinner with my very straight um, suburban in-laws. And I feel like that kind of balance. There you go. That that's probably helps. Yeah, I think um, spending time with your straight suburban in-laws always calms. It really the, you know, It brings you back to earth. Yeah. It really does, because then they say something that like you're like ah, it's not queer at all. Yep. <laughs> like, did you watch that game? <laughs> did you, exactly, the Sox game <laughs> or the Patriots game is on at all times in that mm-hmm. house. Like, I've never gone over where there wasn't some kind of baseball game or football game or the news. The news is playing oh, constantly. The news. And at my work, they did this like soup the Super Bowl squares. Where they like uh-huh. draw out squares on a piece of paper and then you get to like buy a square and based on like the arrangement of numbers you can win or lose based on like the score. <laughs> I think you're doing, you're like talking about like a kitty, like the gambling. Uh, it's a, yeah. And <laughs> People are listening to us like, wow. And <laughs> they were like, do you want to play Paul? And I was like, no, because I could lose. I, I could win and you could tell you would tell me I lost and I would still like, no I would have absolutely no idea if I won or not. Yeah, no idea. I love that my father-in-law still gets his news from the news. Like it'll be like like when Kobe Bryant died, rest his soul. But like he didn't get it until the six o'clock news. And he's like, whoa, did you see what happened to Kobe? We're like, yep, we knew. Twitter already knew. <laughs> Everyone already knew. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, yeah. um, by the way, you should check out our website at yourqueerstory.com. Yeah. A weird segue, but here we are. This is um, a, nothing to do with Kobe <laughs> Bryant or the news, but go ahead. Yes. I've uh, been working a lot on it. I've updated our menu, rearranged yeah. some things. And over the next couple of months, we are going to be working on publishing every single script from every episode with images, with mm-hmm. details, with highlights. So you'll be able to use our website. Um, as an educational resource. Right, exactly. So rather than... You know, a lot of our scripts are published right now, but some of them don't have images and, you know, anything pre-episode like 50 doesn't. It just has basically like a small paragraph. So we're going to work on building up our website to be a kind of queer encyclopedia Mm -hmm. that you have free unlimited access to. There's no advertisements. It's all free and it's just for queer education. Yeah. And if you want a great example and you like all of this goes to Paul. Because uh, you can go check out the Daughters of Belitis uh, script. So you have to go to your queer story, um, the actual website. But you can look at the script there and like it's beautiful. Like just the way he's laid it out. And I made, made it pretty. so accessible. Um, all the like our sources and references that you can also go in to do more research yourself. And um, several of the episodes, the, the posts are like that. But like he said, we're working on getting all our scripts up there. And um, at the bottom, he also has like links to tell you other Mm-hmm. people or like you can go into our, our menu bar and you can go to episodes and you can sort search um you know queer people of color queer religion queer true crime like you can look you can break it down and really look at things yep um and make sure wherever you're listening you drop us a subs- uh, subscribe a like i don't know if podcast apps have likes or not but <laughs> and um you know leave us a review if you don't okay. if you listen on spotify spotify doesn't have reviews you could review us on stitcher or itunes and that would really help us a lot because the more reviews a podcast have the more likely people are to see it and you know give it a listen if exactly. you see something with two listens i mean two reviews or 30 reviews or 300 reviews which one are you more likely to listen to yeah so reviews are good sharing it is good and then um 
also, you know, going to our Patreon, there's a lot of content on there. It's really taken off. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of coffee with Eve- with Evan. By the time this drops, we're going to have our second Behind the Queens material. Yep. Our first episode, we talked about um, our, first dates. our first dates, best and worst. This episode, we kind of talked about how Evan and I became best friends and told a, a very untimely order of (laughs) events that have happened to us in our lives and uh, just kind of things that led us to become closer friends and you know build our relationship over time yeah so i mean again like i said three dollars a month or more you get access to that um material we've got um postcards on their way so we can send it out to what level it's nine dollars a month or more. yeah nine dollars a month you get a postcard from us we've already got them ordered and then we'll be sending them out to anybody who does nine dollars a month or more so we are making sure that we put out regular content for you only for patreon um so right you know, our check podcast is always going to be free and accessible yep. wherever you list but if you want extra behind the scenes one-on-one you know close in-depth and behind the scenes in evan and i's li- wow blah, 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 blah. that was like 18 different sentences <laughs> combined into one if you want behind the scenes look into Evan and I's life and you want like a closer connection with us you're going to get that on Patreon exactly yeah so and uh, like we said everything goes to funding the podcast and the Your Queer Story mentorship program we don't earn any money off of it not that it would be wrong but like we don't right just we're not, not what we do maybe one day we can do this full time but until yeah. then we are putting everything into the podcast exactly and a uh, special shout out to Scream Queens Yes. Um, they recently gave us a shout out and inducted us into the Scream Queens Hall of Fame. Uh, I took the tiara, so Evan doesn't have one. But um, Wow. <laughs> Even though it looks so much better on my head. I don't think so, but you know. <laughs> um, yeah, so thanks for that. Um, give them a listen if you're into horror and if you're especially into horror hosted by a gay man or a queer man, however he identifies. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I think it's called horror. It's like Scream Queens with the Z. Horror so gay or horror that's gay. Yeah, there will be a um, link to the podcast yeah. on our on this script. Yeah. So, anyways, but now we also need to um, next week, the February seventeenth through twenty third, is Aromantic Spectrum Awareness Week, mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that we recognize all of our arrows out there. And if you are black and identify as aromantic or asexual, then we hope you are really enjoying this week during Black History Month. Celebrating both your history and your orientation recognizes the beautiful makeup of a person's identity. So, in today's minisode, we want to discuss what it means to be aromantic and how we can be an ally to the a and arrows in our community. Now you probably already noticed we are hinting at asexuality as we celebrate aromantics. Um, what is the difference and how can they be tied together? How kind of you to ask, <laughs> because you were so curious. In our Florence Nightingale episode, we discussed asexuality in depth, though Evan did call it asexuality. For the I first- didn't hear you correcting me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> for the first half of the episode, we have grown and learned a lot since then. In this episode, we will do our best to focus as much attention as we can on the aromantics. However, there is not a lot of information out there surrounding aromantic history and theory. Most of what one will find when searching has to do with asexuality. Yeah. Um, really hard to just find stuff, and that we'll, we'll talk about that. So this is due to the fact that asexuality was the original single classification made when researchers began to study so-called abnormal sexual attractions. As such, it became an umbrella term that is still used by many in the ace community, and ace is the nickname for asexuals. 
Over time, a more thorough chart of sexual and romantic attractions was formed, breaking down into four main categories, romantic sexuals, romantic asexuals, aromantic sexuals, and aromantic asexuals. Each name is pretty self-explanatory once you know the definitions of aromantic and asexual, but we will go into... uh, but we will go through each category in order to further explain. So yeah, so again, um, there's like nothing just for aromantic. So we, I'm not trying to like pivot away from them. But I think in general, when you're recognizing the ace community, like arrow, arrow ace community, like they're just so often joined together. And right. also you have to ro- recognize the asexual aromantics. Mm-hmm. But then you also have to think like the reason there's probably no no history on this is because people never would have wrapped their mind around the fact that somebody would not be, you know, romantically attracted to at least someone or sexually attracted to at least someone because they would, you know, just tell, think that these people were broken or, you know, what's wrong with you, that person, or they would just classify them as, oh, she must be one of them lesbians because she doesn't want a man or, you know, that's just how women are or, and, um, and, and with the masculine, um, toxic masculinity yeah you know of course the guy's not gonna say yeah no i don't want that they're just gonna say oh yeah i get so many you know whatever <laughs> they want you know that's just how culture has always been yeah at least in america <laughs> yeah lying about well it's this hyper sexualization mm-hmm. um lying and, and being feeling that you have to lie about your so-called sexual conquests um and a lot of people were also um identified as uh mentally ill sick right or they were classified as pedophiles, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, you're not attracted to men or women. You must be attracted to children. Right. So that stigma, and we'll talk about that later on, but that stigma also hung to a lot of asexuals. And we talked a lot about that in our Florence Nightingale episode. With all of its faults, I do think that we really stress that point a lot of why asexuality was ignored. And it's really only been in the last decade that we've had concentrated research on this subject Mm -hmm. so we'll start off with the romantic sexual Um, another term for this is alloromantic or allosexual for a long time this was thought of as the only form of sexual attraction anyone who varied was considered broken abnormal or possibly labeled a tease or simply a jerk maybe if i just read the script i would have covered all this (laughs) (laughs) and in truth romantic sexuals do make up the majority of society That doesn't make them better or more correct the same way heterosexuality isn't better or more correct than homosexuality. Also, this is a good point to remind everyone that sexual attraction is different than sexual orientation. Attraction is one's sexual and romantic instincts. Orientation is who those instincts are directed towards. Ace and arrow, aromantic people, still have a sexual orientation. Right, so you still can have feelings for another individual, like whether you're attracted, you have a, um, you know, well, you, well, like your attraction is towards men or women or whoever, mm-hmm. you know, pansexual. You still have that, so people might identify as I'm a, a bi, a romantic, right? Like I'm attracted to men and women, um, but I don't have romantic feelings. So romantic asexuals. This is where the first step of confusion around asexuality usually starts. Romance, sex, and intimacy are are all different aspects of human desire. They each fulfill different needs, and some people do not have a need for one or any of these. Romantic asexuals have little to no desire for sex, while they do desire romance. This this does not mean they never have sex. It doesn't even mean that they won't enjoy sex with a partner they love. It simply means they do not have the biological drive for sex that others may have. Mm Mm-hmm. 
next is the aromantic sexual. And this is basically the flip-flop of romantic asexuals. Aromantic individuals do not experience romantic attraction, which often also includes intimacy. They may not have the traditional feelings of falling in love, though they still want companionships and perhaps even a lifelong relationship. And they do have a desire for sex, which is which often can misjudge them as callous or a player. Just like romantic asexuals, aromantic sexuals do participate in romantic activities with their partners, but they do not experience the same feelings as those who desire romance. And again, like it varies from person to person. Like everybody's going to be different, you know. Um, but also, it's about making a relationship work. Mm-hmm. But that's communication, and you don't should never demand something of your partner. But a lot, I mean, if you're an asexual in a romantic relationship with a um, an allo um, sexual person, you know, you find a way. Do you want to make it work or not? Right. So you know, and so like a lot of asexuals and aromantics talk about how like there's such a, a confusion that like why are you even dating? And some people choose not to date, but the people that do choose to date, I mean, first of all, it's their own fucking business, you know. But like it's a lot more complex. They're just we're just telling you what their attraction is. It's right. not about what how they're going to play out in their relationship. Aromantic asexual. These individuals experience little to no romantic attraction or sexual attraction. Again, the desire for companionship and friendships is still there, and many arrow ace people will still build a life with a partner or partners. One term often used to describe these relationships is queer platonic. This means that there is more intimacy and commitment than a typical friendship, yet not as intense as a traditional romantic relationship. Arrow and ace people usually live with their partners, raise children together, and do the regular activities of most couples, but they don't experience the same emotions and desires. Another term to be familiar with is squish or squishy, which are simply which are similar to the romantic word crush. This signifies a strong platonic tie to a particular person. And also, we want to be clear that ace and arrow people love just like anyone else. They love their friends, family, and pets the same as any individual. They simply might not fall in love or experience being in love with a different set of emotions. And honestly, falling in love is simply a hormonal high which can be achieved in other aspects of life and is not a signal of normalcy or abnormalcy. So I think that a big misconception is that you can't love anything if you're asexual or aromantic. Again, going back to that's broken, but that's not what it's about. It's not about who you can or can't love. Mm-hmm. It's about, do I fall in love? Do I see a person? Do I have a sexual arousal, sexual attraction to that person? Do I have a romantic desire to be with that person? You know, that's what we're talking about. And these four major categories each have further breakdowns of asexual and aromantic classifications, just like allo individuals, ace and arrow people vary in their desires and makeup. I honestly don't know if that's supposed to be alo. But that doesn't make sense to me. Allo? I don't know. <laughs> I don't make the, the classifications. It sounds like allo would be better than ace and arrow. But I don't know. Not every person is going to fit their box exactly. Many will blur between the lines and often a few select squishies will stir emotions that typically are not present. Two of the most common subcategories are greys and demis, which we covered a little more in detail in our Florence Nightingale episode. Greys will rarely experience romantic or sexual attraction, but occasionally can under certain circumstances. There are gray there are gray aromantics, gray asexuals, gray ace, gray arrow people. Demisexuals or demiromantics will usually only form a sexual or romantic attraction after a deep bond is formed. So y'all got a lot to learn because there are way more people, way more sexualities than um, 
media typically covers. Yeah, it's more complex. It's just like gender, Mm -hmm. right? It's exactly. Yeah. Um, Further misunderstanding about asexuality and aromanticism plays out in victims of trauma. As we said, sex, intimacy, and romance are all attractions and desires an individual may experience. However, when a person undergoes trauma through one or all of these experiences, they can struggle with their desires in that area. For instance, a victim of sexual assault may naturally be hesitant and cautious when it comes to sex. Another example is that a victim of childhood abuse may become more reluctant in areas of intimacy. What is important to distinguish is that trauma does not make a person ace or arrow the same way trauma does not make a person gay or transgender. And how many times have we heard that? Oh my God. That my dad to this day tells my mother that Mm -hmm. I'm gay because my mom got me an easy bake oven. Well, that's true. We know that. I I mean, when I got that easy bake oven, I put my grandma's apron on and I was never gay. (laughs) When, When I came out as trans to my mom, she looked at me and she's like, it's because your father died and you're trying to replace him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fuck. Jesus. That's so I was in an IHOP. I was not ready for that. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's that same thing. But that's the same thing. So, like, a lot of times these do get confused and, and it couldn't be really hard, you know, which we'll talk about in a second. But, uh, you know, like, I struggle a lot with intimacy, but that's I'm not asexual. I'm not aromantic. Right. I love romance. I... I very much enjoy sex. I'm a very sexual person. Um, so intimacy, but intimacy can really get uh, confusing if you have trauma. That's why you should go to therapy. Consequently, ace and arrow people who have experienced trauma may have a harder time identifying their sexual identity. It can be difficult to separate the PTSD from the orientation, or it can be used to invalidate a person's identity if family and friends are not educated. So if you do have trauma, or like I do, my family says, well, that's why. That's right. why you are the way you are. And that has nothing to do with my orientation and my attraction. If you love an asexual or aromantic person, or if you have been dating someone who has come out as ace or arrow, then the important thing is to discuss with them what they need. Listen to what they are saying and believe them. Real quick, I'm going to interrupt you because the most frustrating thing is that when I hear people saying like they're aromantic or this or that, and then I hear people in the queer community go, Oh my God, there's no such thing. Yeah, what the fuck? Why do we have to adjust uh, all this? Blah, blah, blah. And they just like, oh my God, let the, these, these are real people with real emotions, with mm-hmm. real identities. Let them be themselves. It doesn't bother you. Yeah. What, what is it fucking to you? Yeah. I literally had this conversation earlier this week with a trans woman, a binary trans woman who was arguing because one of her friends came out as non-binary and she's going on and on about like, well, I just can't understand how and she keeps referring to her friend in binary terms. I can't understand, but I'm not going to use a binary term. She's like, I can't understand how they, well, how they want me to refer to them. And I keep telling them, you know, you dress too feminine. That's why people can't refer to you by non-binary. As if you have to fit the certain look to what be non-binary. What are you supposed to dress like if you're non-binary? <laughs> and gray, like just one, a solid it's gray. A, it's a pillow sheet gray. with a hole cut in it, just straight gray. That's all right, the way down. exactly. You have to shave your head, wear a dress, and wear combat boots, and that's the only non-binary look that we now accept. Calling out Dana. <laughs> hey Dana, I love you. Um, it really is. <laughs> Anyways, my point is that like, but I'm sitting there with her, and I'm like, and I keep saying to her, I'm like, but people said the same thing to you. Like people mm-hmm. were like, you don't look like a woman. I shouldn't have to call you a woman. And she couldn't get it. She's like, no, but I'm just telling my friend 
that they dress too feminine. And I'm like, but people said the same thing to right. you, but we can't get it. Like, again, you have to be able to grow and evolve in your understanding. If you're not ready for the next thing, you can't keep up. Mm-hmm. Now I, another, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I have, um, in my work, in my, I work, I'm not going to say where I work, but we have a trans woman in our warehouse mm-hmm. and she's not. Um, female presenting at work mostly like you know she wears jeans and kind of like a typical warehouse look yeah and I heard somebody say I hate when people say they're trans but then they don't dress dress like that and I'm like first of all she came out at work second of all she works in a warehouse so she's probably (laughs) probably like just wear my ballroom ball gown to work today I um, was like, I'm sure she wears makeup and things outside of work, but maybe she doesn't feel comfortable like that at work. Like Maybe she doesn't want to wear makeup. It, it has well, nothing that to too. Do. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm saying like, if she, maybe she doesn't want to wear makeup, but if she does, she probably just doesn't wear it at work. Like mm-hmm. she's working with a bunch of men in a warehouse. Why would she, like, if that's not, if she's not comfortable in that, or if that's not what she wants to do, or if that's not who she is, then it, it doesn't matter. Right. Well, it's, it's this entire episode, right? It's about the boxes. Mm-hmm. You have to fit in a box. Like, if you're asexual, we never want to see you having sex. And if you're aromantic, you better not be dating anybody. And if you're trans, you better be the manliest man you can be or you better be the womanest woman you can right. be. And you can't be anything in between. And if there's anything in between, well, I just can't understand it. Because right. this is really about me and how I feel. And if everybody could accommodate me and my understanding, just I would like feel so much better. if you're a straight man, you better not have anything but a buzz cut, a baggy t-shirt, and a pair of blue jeans. <laughs> well, most it's, of them do, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, but, it's the same thing right like people are so varied in their expression and their identity that it like if somebody identifies as something that's who they are it's none of your fucking business it's not a question someone's like this is my pronouns today you're like okay and if two months from now they're like you know what my pronouns are this okay Mm -hmm. not your like why is it an issue it's not yeah exactly why is it an issue it's not your fucking thing you're like well they're questioning too much fucking okay that's what the q originally stood for right Mm -hmm. questioning like Okay, so they're questioning. Everybody questions. People evolve. Mm-hmm. Not your business. Are you going to support people or not? If you're not going to support them, shut up and sit on the sidelines. We don't need you. Right. So finish my thing. Believe them. <laughs> <laughs> and if they need help processing trauma, real trauma, then try to get them to a licensed therapist. And if they simply want your support, then research on how to be a better ally. And if you're a person who's questioning their orientation, then we suggest checking out asexuality.org for more information from other ace and arrow people. But now we want to recognize two black asexual individuals making a huge impact on the ace and arrow community. The first person we want to discuss is Sharonda J. Brown, who is an asexual queer advocate, feminist, and black activist. She writes for the Black Youth Project and Wear Your Voice magazine, and is an essayist and storyteller for QTBIPOC, which is Queer (laughs) and Trans Black Indigenous People of Color which is hosting its annual conference specifically and only for people of color at the end of February. Yeah, there's a, I think I put a link in the reference, but um, so it's on the West Coast. So if you live on the West Coast, it's at the end of February, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Brown's commentary on how colonization and white supremacy have stripped away black asexuality is especially scathing and on point. I I cannot tell you the last time I enjoyed reading uh, journalists, uh, you know, online journalists as much as I did. Mm Mm-hmm. The author writes in the article, black asexuals are not unicorns. There are more of us than we know. Linked in our our, uh, script, by the way. Black people are forced into a box of hypersexualization thanks to centuries of propaganda and policy born of white supremacist, colonialist ideas, and white people's racial anxieties. This imagined irrevocable 
hypersexuality has been used in specific ways to justify and rationalize injustices and brutalities against black people throughout history, aiding heavily in our dehumanization. Repeated messages like these warped my perception of myself and my body from a young age. I came to understand my body and myself as inherently sexual, even as I received seemingly contradictory messages that my fatness made me undesirable, and I didn't know that there was any other option for how to exist in this world. I thought that the hypersexualization of my body meant that I had to buy into it and perform the sexual existence experience expected of me or else I would not be seen as normal and valuable. Asexuality is already greatly invisibilized as a queer identity. Black asexuality is even more so. This leaves many black asexuals with unique barriers to finding our place in the asexuality spectrum and developing community with others like us. This is why it's not enough to simply talk about asexuality awareness. We must also acknowledge the ways that race and assumed and or assigned gender plays into our understandings of our sexualities and how others project sexuality onto us. Again, that's in the black people. Our black asexuals are not unicorns. That's all from that um, article. Mm -hmm. Brown also references the book Black Sexual Politics, African Americans, Gender, and the New Racism, which is by author Patricia Hill Collins. Both black authors write extensively on how white society has so deeply sexualized the African American community. This is obvious in our history when we see black people used as sexual slaves as often as they were used as field hands and domestic servants. Even long after slavery ended, black individuals were were and still are repeatedly seen as nothing more than sexual objects. In In fact, we whites often believe that by objectifying black people, we are somehow absolving ourselves of racism, but instead we reduce people of color to objects and we erase asexual individuals completely. Yeah, I think there's a lot of this like um, imbalance of like, oh, but I think that, uh, I don't know, fucking Jamie Foxx is hot, right? They'll be like, oh, he's so hot. Idris Elba, like, oh my God, he's a god. Yes, he's an incredibly attractive man. But then like, do you know anything else about him? Do you follow him online? Do you, is that the only thing that we can do is be like, oh, wow, black people are beautiful. And like that somehow we're not racist because we said this person was beautiful. Like right. I literally think that some people think that, that they can't be racist if they find a black person attractive. Oh, probably. I would not be surprised. Well, they all have that one black friend, right? <laughs> exactly. That's all. Oh, nothing makes me angrier. No, I was actually in an argument this week about that where a guy was like, he's like, um, he was defending Rush Limbaugh and he's like, Rush Limbaugh's not racist. He could be racist. He has a black producer. I was like, oh, wow. If he's got a black producer, then I guess that all the things that he said that were racist don't count. Right. No, it doesn't matter. That's like when people use the N word and they're like, oh, I have a black friend. I'm like, that doesn't. Oh, <laughs> you're still fucking racist. Yep. <laughs> Brown continues in on in her article, how the colonial history of hypersexualization obscures the possibility of black asexuality. Stereotypes about black women are largely defined in one way or another, by and through our presumed sexual expression and practice. As a result, we are more readily sexually objectified and fetishized than our white counterparts. The Jezebel is always sexually available, and that is evidence of her loose morals. The matriarch uses her sexuality to masculate, control, and alienate men. As such, she is perpetually single and therefore of very little value. She is seen as the source of all the black community's problems, and the absence of black fathers is always blamed on her. 
the welfare queen, is not only a sexually irresponsible breeder of bastard children, but she is also a leech and a drain on society, so much so that government policy has been enacted because of her laziness, greed, and sexual habits. And not only does Brown tackle the racism surrounding welfare queen stereotypes, but she also addresses how ace phobia drives the narrative home. Just as she stated herself, it is not enough to talk about awareness around aromanticism and sexu asexuality. We must also address how racism and bias directly affect stigma and erasure towards the arrow and ace communities. To hear more from Sharonda, follow her on Twitter at Sharonda J. Brown, or check out her articles on the Black Youth Project and Wear Your Voice magazine, both of which have been linked in our script. We also added a link to the book Black Sexual Politics if you would like more information. Our second role model for the Ace Arrow community is quite literally a model in the UK. Yasmin Benoit has identified as asexual aromantic since she was 14. She has become an open advocate for the Ace Arrow community since her career has taken off. Benoit's video launched on Pink News two years ago drew attention with its blunt title, Asexuality is not a white thing. Benoit has her own YouTube channel in which she discusses in depth the challenges of being a black asexual model in a highly sexualized industry. She told, Pac she told Paper Magazine last year, People find it weird as an overlap because I'm asexual, she explains. People think if you're modeling lingerie, something sexual is going on. They don't realize I'm just standing there for a couple hours making a little conversation and shaking hands before I go home. Yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely <laughs> not standing there in lingerie and then like, all right, time to fuck. Exactly. Like, you're just standing there in some clothing mm -hmm. and yeah, the clothing sexual, but you're just like, so uh, anybody getting hot dogs after this? Right. Like, what are yeah. we doing? <laughs> um, the activist also discusses the personal prejudice and bias she has faced along the way. She told the journalist, when you say you don't experience romance and sexuality and that those things are innately not a part of you, people think you are less human. They say, you're robotic, you're a psychopath, I often get narcissistic. Benoit went on to further explain the stigma of abuse or trauma as a reason for an asexual aromantic orientation. Literally yesterday, I had a man insisting I had been molested, and I was just hiding it and repressing it. She uses as an example. He was insistent that that was obviously my issue. They think sexual attraction is the most human thing ever, and it's impossible to not feel that. You can't be human if you don't feel anything. Right, and right back to that thing of like, you must be broken. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Yasmin also faced rejection from her own family and was accused of pedophilia, a stigma that has been branded onto the queer community for centuries. It's as if rather than trying to understand a person's orientation and attraction, it's easier to label them a pedophile. That way, the accuser doesn't have to waste their time learning something new or finding acceptance in their biased and prejudiced mind. Yet like so many other queer heroes... Benoit is not one to run from a fight. In 2018, she started the viral hashtag, hashtag this is what asexual looks like. And a strong black lingerie model is definitely not what we've come to picture when thinking of asexual and aromantic people. So the question is, what's wrong with our stereotypical thinking? In so many ways, Benoit shatters the prejudice boxes placed upon the ace and arrow communities. She also alludes to Sharonda J. Brown's commentary and other black activists when she discusses being cut out of a documentary about asexuality. Benoit told Paper Magazine, People have perceived my asexuality different than white asexual people. Benoit says before mentioning the televised version of a documentary that she was cut out of something she believes is reflective of people higher up in the company who looked at us and was and was like she doesn't make sense 
However, in the uncut version posted online, Benoit said the comments about her were much more sexually aggressive and racialized than what the other white activists got. There was a lot more anger directed at me, she says. People find it harder to compute that a black woman can be asexual just because we're hypersexualized a lot more. These issues are just the tip of the iceberg. Every day online and through social media, Yasmin Benoit addresses the needs and struggles of the asexual and aromantic community. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at the Yasmin Benoit, Y-A-S-M-I-N-E-B-E-N-O-I-T, or you can follow her on her YouTube channel, Yasmin Benoit, and learn more from her videos. Both of these asexual activists give us a lot to consider as allies and queer people continue to advance forward in the fight for equality. How will we challenge stereotypes? How do we address racism? What are we going to do to make sure asexual and aromantic people are not erased? While the next chap, while the next week will we create a lot of awareness, what happens when aromantic spectrum awareness week is over? And you can stay in touch with the community in a variety of ways. In addition to following Sharonda J. Brown and Yasmin Benoit, look for other people online who identify as ace or arrow and click that follow button. Also, check out asexuality.org for basic information and education. And you want to shout out the podcast, sounds fake, but okay. Which <laughs> Best is av- <laughs> name I've ever heard of podcast ever. It really is. Which is available on Spotify as well as other platforms. An ace, arrow girl, and a straight, demisexual girl both discuss a variety of topics. Plus, they very, re- very recently had Yasmin Benoit on their podcast. So you can listen to all three of them edu- so you can listen to all three of them educate you on the issues. We also added their amazing resources list on their website in our references section. So check that out for further research. And happy Valentine's Day on Friday to our listeners who celebrate and a wonderful Aromantic Spectrum Awareness Week to everyone next week, February 17th to the 23rd. Oh my God, I thought you were going to fall over dead at the end. <laughs> yeah, so check them out. I do want to give Sharonda's name too because I gave Yasmin's spelling. A Sharonda, S-H-E-R-R-O-N-D-A, J. Brown. And Yasmin Benoit, B-E-N-O-I-T. And sounds fake, but okay. Honestly, it looks like a great podcast. Um, I don't want to see it's better than ours, but it's a great. it looks like a great podcast. And they have a lot of really good resources for asexual arrow people. But yeah, I guess we should um, wrap it up now. Yeah. Um, have any closing thoughts? Um, I don't think so. Like we said, happy Valentine's Day. That's my wife's birthday. So... Um, I am locked in to yeah, that holiday. That there's no there's no moving out of that one for me. Um, so, yeah. So stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. And a little succulent surface. And resist the oppressors, our proud homocrats. Have yourself a sodomy circus, or you know, don't, if that's not your thing. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.